You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Podcast. This is episode number 208 of the Centralian's Favorite Podcast. Jeremiah Morrill here, joined by co-host Jesse Riddle, producer Zach Bircham, and returning guest. It's been a couple of years, but we're great, uh, greatly glad. That's a terrible phrase, but we're very I'll happy. <laughs> we're very happy to have Steve Horowitz back in the building. And I'm very happy to be here. Formerly the, the Distinguished Meatloaf Lovers Prof yeah. <laughs> of Ball State University. Things have changed now, and now you are simply the distinguished professor of free enterprise. That is correct. At Chirp Chirp U. So we're glad to have you. Glad to have you back in the building. We're going to talk uh, about the economy and how we're coming out of the COVID economic recession and what's happening and some of the symptoms. And maybe by the end of it, Steve can help to color color in this picture we paint and, and understand what uh, what's actually going on and if it's all interrelated or if it's all just miscellaneous bs and we have to just deal with it uh gotta thank our patrons uh christy avery of fort wayne indiana the incredible awesome christy avery john phillips andy moore buick gmc uh i i tried to send my hit my dad over there today to buy a new truck sounds like he might be in the in the uh in the running anthony meyer who made a visit to henry county i saw zach that he was down at in spiceland at the truck stop yep Visiting the finer establishments of henry county he always tells us when he's in town when we're not here i don't think he wants to meet us I don't think he does either, but he also made fun of our rural king recently, which uh, he's a donor. So I guess he can do what he wants. But I think that's what triggered Zach and the Patreon or not Zach, uh, your Zach Dakota today posting his uh, all of the I think they bought rat traps. They looked at bunnies and they bought kid candy for his kid all all in one trip and, to the and, local rural and king. baby chicks. There's baby chicks and there, yeah, there's chicks too. Steve, are, is there a rural king in Hamilton County? Do you, have you ever been? I, I know I've seen them. I don't know if they're in Hamilton County. I might have seen them in the North Country. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the great thing about those places, as you just said, right? It's, it's for small towns, you can buy everything there. You don't, you know, division of labor is you got limited by the extent of the market. Small town, have everything in one store. It's like a Walmart for rural folks. Literally, yeah. you can buy a rabbit and hydraulic oil, and then you can buy ammunition for your, hell, you can well, buy right, a gun. Right. Well, that's it. You can buy, you can buy the, the, the thing you want to get rid of. Right. And the thing itself. Yeah. Right? You know, you get the rat trap and, and the rats. And, and they've got the equipment to clean the rabbit right. as well. You got the whole, yep. <laughs> the whole that's processing right. facility is there. And you could turn it into jerky with the stuff that's in the deer aisle. Uh, also have to thank Fiddler's Green. Uh, Chris Lamb is awesome. Uh, please stop by Fiddler's Green Cigars Company Lounge at the Newcastle Broad Street Cruising this Saturday, June 5th, starting at five o'clock. Located just a couple blocks from our studio in front of the uh, Henry County Courthouse to enjoy their fine selection of hand-rolled cigars and accessories. Need a special gift for dad? Check out their limited quantity gift sets. Fiddler's Green Cigar Company is a veteran-owned company. 10% of all their sales will go to the Wounded Warrior Project, Fiddler's Green Cigar Company, and their mobile mobile cigar lounge. Going to be here just a couple days, so check that out. This show is about our lives in rural Indiana. We're here to push your boundaries and make you think as individuals. Hopefully... Sometimes we'll provoke you. Other times we'll make you laugh, but hopefully you'll always learn something new. Zach, uh, we got some merch out there, don't we? Somewhere? Yep, we do. I'm about to post a link up. Um, 
We had the T-Chip stores, uh, uh, com backslash B-H-O-L-1, 2, 3, 4, and mug. That's your T-shirts. I'm going to post up the... What's it called? You've that? you've given you've given Jesse a stroke because you're listing them all instead of saying, "Hey, just go to the link tree that Jesse well, slaved gonna, over." Also he slaved post. over a hot stove <laughs> to make things easier. I'm also going to post the link tree in the <laughs> in the chat for those people that didn't catch all that. You don't have to catch all of it because we'll post it in just a few minutes or just a second here. But there's t-shirts, and uh, in case you want a, a pandemic mask, you can buy one to put in your uh, in your shadow box to remember what we just got through. It's over. We went to the Indy 500 last weekend. But the only people still wearing their masks were, in fact, the sign ambassadors. Yeah, pretty much. It was or the mask ambassadors who held signs that said, please wear your mask. Yeah, it was it was minimal by the end of the weekend. It is it is fascinating, I think, to see how quickly that has flipped and how much. It's not even the honor system. It's people are just everyone's had enough. And so we're just going to don't ask, don't tell. We're just not going to just. As long as you're not causing trouble, do whatever you want. And whatever I think it's really just fascinating sort of sociological. There's, there's so many levels of authority, quote yeah. unquote, levels of authority involved. And if you have a, a municipality that says they want to do one thing, but yeah. then the, you know, and you have a private group that says, well, we're going to follow what this one municipality says, but then they get their knees cut off because the CDC yep. says, says do something else. People are like, it's going to be outside. I don't yeah. care right, anymore. Right, it, right. At some point, it, you've lost the consent of the governed, and it's yep. just, we're that's, going. That's it. And it's interesting. My my little gauge is the Fisher's Farmer's Market, where a couple weeks ago, I mean, they, Fisher's got rid of their mask requirements, and so you don't need to wear one. A couple weeks ago there, even outside on a Saturday morning, it was at least half the people were wearing masks, right? And then I went this past week, and I'd say 20% were wearing them. So you could just watch it. Happen. I, my gauge has been I go when I go to lunch somewhere, I always have my mask. I've still got it in my pocket here. I've got yeah. it in my pocket. And if the venue asks me to wear it, I'll yeah. wear it to yep. go in uh, and I'll have it on me. But yep. if I don't have to, I'm fully vaccinated. Right. I don't care anymore. Uh, today, I went to the Savages Ale House, which is the most uh, of all of the Muncie bars. It's the most uh, crunchy granola, progressive, mm-hmm. trendy. Uh, and they took their mask sign down. So I, I think yeah. we're officially at the point. Yeah. Any place that I'm going to go well, has removed it. I, I, didn't say, I didn't say anything tonight, but... Our dinner tonight was the first time I believe I've been served by a, a wait staff person that, without a mask. It was masked. Yeah. Unmasked, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, the, the, when you get closer to Marion County and the donuts, yeah. you're still going to have servers yeah. with masks on. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of well, the Uber granola crunchers will and, still and Marion be County, Yeah, and Marion County's just been stricter in general about relaxing their rules than has Hamilton, for example, because uh, we're pretty close to the border. And so you can tell when you cross 96th Street, Rules do shift and the behaviors do shift. And, so yeah. and I do think there's a whole other, we can talk about this another time, <laughs> but there's a whole other story about the, 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 the way in which the people who've taken all this stuff the most seriously have been the progressives. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's, I find that just fascinating. I know the people I know who didn't leave their house for a year are almost all in that category. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, I, it's bizarre. It's a badge of honor. <clears throat> I mean, I, I, right. Not right. It is. Well, and I think a lot of them, are, I don't want to be perceived as Trump. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, of all people, I might have been one who should have been in my house for a year, but there was just no way. You know, yeah. I went out, I went out to dinner last June, I think. About this time of year, right? And went out to dinner downtown Indy, and it was they were spaced and everything where we went, and we're sitting there, and I look out on the patio, and who sits down on the patio 
with his daughter, but my oncologist. And I'm like, okay, it's okay to eat out now, yeah. right? You know, so, so, but I just, I can't imagine living in my house for a year. I just can't. Yeah. I didn't know there were people like that until like I saw like other people on my Facebook who yeah. were, they're like, yeah, I haven't had a meal outside. Yeah. Since. And I'm like, all right, well, you need to. Okay, then. But <laughs> I think you need to call your your therapist. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I I really do. I, yeah. I, I want them to like I, talk through it. We didn't go out until, yeah, until until June of yeah. last year, maybe May or June of last yeah. year. And that was two months. And at the time, it felt, because we've got Facebook memories to go back yeah, and look yeah, at. Right, right. So at the time, it felt like that was an incredibly long period of time, that 45 or 60 days of, yeah. of, of a lack of service here. Yeah. Uh, and even I went to New York state and I had, we were talking about this at dinner yeah. in mid June. I had a sit down meal last year. So right. maybe two and a half months that it was not happening. Yeah. That actually feels like an incredibly small amount of time when you, now you look back and it's yeah. been 15 months and people are just now coming out going, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Were you, were you uncomfortable tonight when you had somebody that was unmasked? Oh, no, it no, was, it, it was, was great. It was, it, I, it was it's abs- liberating. It was just, yeah. yeah. There's at this point, right. Look, here's what we know. We know that the thing spreads when you are in, indoor, poorly ventilated, crowded spaces for a long period of time. That's how this thing spreads. We were at dinner tonight. We were like the only people in there, right? It was not busy. That has a nice tall ceiling. Uh, It's clearly well ventilated. It wasn't crowded. We were there for an hour. There's no reason in the world you should be thinking about wearing a mask given the level of vaccination. I was going to say on top of the vaccinations, like the, it's like if the vaccine's doing its job, you know, and then there's the people (laughs) who I see walking their dog by themselves with a mask on. Right. There was a couple, it probably was like a couple weeks, four weeks ago, five weeks ago, I was in Indianapolis and there were kids out playing on their, on their porch (sighs) and the kids had masks on. And I was like, what in the world? It's a hard, I think for kids, it's a hard habit to break. I, I see it with my, with our kids who, you know, uh, it, it's a hard habit to break and they've been so the schools have made it so clear. They have to follow that rule that I think the, the kids have just said, it's just normalized. It's to them just normalized. We just, yeah. we just wear and it. I don't mean that I in any all. sort of nasty, you know, autocracy sense. I think it's just, they've, they've spent a year in a world where that's what it is. And so getting them to, to realize, no, it's okay now, right, is uh, is hard. There's yeah. a psychology for, you know, if you're four it's, years old, you've spent 25% yeah. of your life in a pandemic, and right. it's what you know. Right. Well, there's, it's Pavlov's dog, right? So it's, you're, you ring the bell, like you, like you get up, you put the mask on, right? Yeah, it's all right. Pavlov, yeah. like, and so I know, I know it's, I'm getting more used to it because I'm no longer like, freaking out when i'm watching like the like seinfeld and they get up and they get up in monks and i'm not like why why don't you have your mask on yeah like i want to yell at them put your mask on you know but and then there's and now there's this awkward moment about shaking hands with people right where we're we're, you know are are we allowed to is it okay i've been are you one of those or are you one of those i mean and and (laughs) did you shake my hand i know if you're democrat or Republican, right well you're libertarian maybe you did it but you used the wrong hand that's that's the problem my daughter lives in new york city and 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 there is a real thing there that if you take things too lightly, you're perceived as being, uh, you know, conservative Trump, whatever. And and you know, people, the many people there don't want to be perceived that way. So coming from the liberty side, we're just stuck yeah. right in the middle of it. Yeah. Where I, yeah. I, I'm a I'm a, a libertarian that got the vaccine, so therefore half of the half of our, the people that I associate with politically think I'm crazy, and the other. Folks think that I don't take nearly enough precautions, so I'm an outcast. I found yeah. a way to turn myself into an outcast. I'm with again. you, buddy. Yep, we're there. All right. So, what I wanted to talk about, and this is this can be free flowing, but I have a few general themes. If yep. you're a patron, you uh, you did get the show notes dropped uh, 
dropped in the Facebook group today to give you some links and some ideas to, to, to direct us. Uh, what I felt like, Steve, is that the economy, as we've tried to restart, has been incredibly clunky. That's we, a good word. <laughs> we've, we've, you know, we, tr- we try to do one thing and then there's a, there's a, there's a barrier. So it might be a labor shortage. It might be that supply seems to be constrained. So then, and then as soon as we have a, a, an issue with supply, uh, something else happens. We've just, we've been very, uh, one step forward, one and a half steps back yep. trying to restart. Yep. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's right. And, and I think a lot of those things are you know real in the sense that, uh, the various restrictions and stuff that were part of the, the pandemic response have made it difficult for firms to do things. Factories shut down when there were outbreaks in places. Uh, you know, international shipping became more challenging. We ordered a dishwasher back in like November and it didn't get delivered till April, right? Our behaviors changed and the yeah. way that we expected deliveries to happen yeah. or us to, to acquire this, goods. This is a huge uh, what we would call a real, a huge real shock. And, and the supply bottlenecks are real. Uh, and, you know, on, we've had other things happen on top of it. The, we could talk about some of those in a bit, but, but so I think it's, it's, you know, demand is back, right? People just like we were just talking, right? People are getting out, they're going out to dinner, they're going to IMS, they're, they're doing all these things, right? Um, but supply, the sort of ability of supply to respond, as you say, in the way, in the way we're used to, just isn't the same. And so it's going to take, I think, a while for these things to iron themselves out. And I think it's really important that we don't overreact on a policy level, right? And just try, just let the market respond yeah, and let business and let owners people do what they need to do. Out. It's, you know, it's not, again, this isn't, um, this isn't something artificial that we can just f- fix. It's, there's real issues going on there. Uh, and that we just got to give time. And we've never, I mean, you know, the modern economy has never dealt with something like this. We, we shut it down for, you know, depending how long you want to count, but we shut it down. We shut it down for, for a month in some places or and, for many months. Yeah, right. Places. And, and there, there are so, parts of California that are still, right. you know, the thought of going and getting your haircut is, yeah, is, is, is still well, shocking. That's the other one. I, I mean, not that I have to worry <laughs> about it, but, but that's the other one that like, people haven't had a haircut for a year or whatever. That's strange to me too. Um, uh, but in any case, I think all of these things uh, are all, you know, with time, they will begin to work themselves out. And it does require some patience on our part. And and again, I think the patience has to take the form of not overreacting on the policy end and just say, look, let's let it work itself out. Even, I mean, I know we're gonna, we can talk about it some more in a bit, but like the lumber stuff is interesting too. I mean, there one problem there, of course, is that we did have tariffs that made more you know artificially expensive but even if you put that aside there really were supply issues and so on um that that uh were causing problems but the latest is is that seems to be fixing itself uh prices seem to be coming down a little bit from where they were oh i'm about to have some work done on my porch tomorrow and and the guy the same guy who built the porch is doing some other stuff for us on the porch and he said he said you're lucky i did this for you three years ago because <laughs> you pay three times today what i charge you Back then, but I think it's coming down. I mean, from what I understand, that stuff is coming down, and 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 so just some patience here. It's often hard, uh, but you know, given what we've been through, it seems like it's the least we can ask of people. So, sort of say, you know, so like, pull you, pull your mic down just a touch yeah. for me. If you yeah, just drop down. it a touch, you'll be good. Um, let's talk about the energy side of it because it, yeah. it, since the election or the inauguration of Joe Biden, we've seen a number of things happen on the yeah. petroleum and the energy side. 
where there was a, the Keystone Pipeline kind of that that deal went away, and that was immediately increased the price of of um, my goodness. I've left a phone on. I've I've got to tell you guys a story about why I have three phones at some point. Uh, it's it's just incredibly painful. But I, I purchased an extra phone that doesn't get used, so everything that comes in on this one is inclu- in just exclusively for. Uh, uh, it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't ring at all. I've never made a phone call on it, uh, but I went outside to grab uh, grab it for some text from Jesse. Um, we we had this supply issue with Keystone XL going away, and then you had a a disruption to the Colonial pipe uh, fuel pipeline, which goes from uh, Florida up to the Mid Atlantic. Uh, with some, I guess, Jesse, it was your Russian hackers uh, that were involved. <laughs> Somebody. <laughs> a, a, some sort of a, a cyber attack yeah, or a, yeah. a, or a ransom yeah, attack. Yeah. Ransomware attack. Uh, which led to people inventing new unapproved government, uh, non-government approved containers to put their gasoline into. Uh, but that that created a massive upheaval again to the point where our gas here was over $3 a gallon. Well, it created FOMO too, right? So like even in Indiana, even though we were not directly affected by it, it created artificial demand. Yeah. Um, I think and, you said your folks at the the local BP ran out of eight grade eighty seven. Well, they said they ran out of. I don't think they ran that's, out. That's I, really yeah. I, I think that they. I think they said. I think they enacted some emergency pricing, and they said they cut off uh, eighty five and eighty seven. It only allowed eighty nine because that was like the most expensive one they had. And yeah. um, the day that happened, I immediately thought of Steve because I thought, well. You're price sensitive once you get to three eighty two a gallon for, like for the for the ninety three gas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And well, so that's that's interesting because I haven't I didn't see at least in Hamilton County, I didn't see any places that even suggested they were running out or or wouldn't sell. Right. I mean prices went up here, though not as, you know the the impact here was certainly not it was what it's on the East Coast. But there I mean, stations were were out, and again, it was panic buying yeah. on, on the demanders who who just you know saw what was happening or were worried about it. And and the problem, of course, with gas, you know, jokes about uh, un, unauthorized storage aside, you can't really store it very easily. We don't have the ability. I, if I had yeah. to, if I had it's to store not gasoline, I could maybe store a hundred yeah. gallons yeah. between all of the every vessel that I have to keep right. it in, maybe a hundred gallons. Right, and it's not like toilet paper, right? Where if you really were concerned that there was going to be this shortage, you go out and you buy four things at Costco and you stick them in a garage right. or whatever. It's difficult to stabilize good. for any length of time, right? Right, right, and toilet paper doesn't spoil. Um, so you, you know you can do that kind of stuff. So what do you do with gas? You just you know you you panic buy, and everyone wants to keep their tank full all the time. So I mean that was and that was a real problem, but again, as you said, a bunch of things going on there, right? Uh, uh, and and of course, the biggest thing was that stations couldn't raise their prices to choke off that panic demand uh, because they were fearful if they did that they'd be slapped with price gouging charges. Every so, state has rules where your attorney general is going to come in and yep. and cut your knees off if you right. try to if, if you try to use yeah. emergency pricing, right? So, you know, I mean, we can, we can walk through that whole story, but, but it, the bottom line is, right, that, that if you, you know, if prices had gone up, say, I'm going to pick a number to five or six dollars a gallon in response to that, then people got some choices to make, right? Are, are, how big a panic are you really in, right? And, and are you willing to pay that price? Right to to get what you need, and and I think and, if, and at that point, folks might say, you know what, I only need six gallons to get me through the week. That's right, and and what it does do is it it forces you to decide to use to to make sure you're using gas for the most important uses. I mean, when I do this, teach this, or talk about it, I talk about water. Right? If you if if you put price controls on, 
people will use water for whatever they want to. I mean, they'll use it to drink or, or maybe, you know, to, to, to get clean, but they'll also go in and buy a case of 24 bottles and bathe their dog in it. If it's cheap, right? When you, when you let the price go up, suddenly the dog bathers are going, you know what? I don't really think I need it that much. Zach, and, I think yeah. Steve would make a really good dry camper at a race. Oh, absolutely. And I was, and I was <laughs> you've, just, you've only got 30 gallons of gray water and you've <laughs> only got 30 gallons of black water and maybe 40 gallons of fresh. And that's what you have for yeah, four days. Figure it out. Right. Use it for the most important things. Well, right. And it's also like, you know, if you've ever done uh, intermittent fasting, it's the same thing, right? Where you're restricted to 900 calories per day. You, you better make them 900 good calories, no donuts. Right. You're, you're eating the stuff, you're eating protein and, and vegetables. So, yeah, I mean, that's, but that's the whole point is that letting prices go up forces us to be choosy and to only use those things for the most valuable uses. And that just didn't happen with the gas. And so you get, you, you know, you get, you get gas at a cheap price, but no gas to be found. Right. So what good does a cheap price do you if there's if supply is zero? Uh, so that's so, but, but even there, right. I mean, I, I'm not sure the Keystone had that big of an impact other than, a sort of signal about the long run. I, yeah, I, I felt like immediately after that, yeah. day one after the inauguration, yeah. that was announced. Yeah. And I feel like from that point, you did see the price of oil per barrel. Yeah, and oil. I think, right, and I think that was just a reaction to uh, to that announcement and, pro- and people imagining that gas prices were going to be higher down the road. But prices did go up and we you know, choked off any of the kinds of problems we saw after the after the ransomware stuff. So, so again, it, you know, <clears throat> What's weird about a lot of things we're talking about is that they all um, they all look like they're the same sort of thing, but they all have these different complicated stories behind them, some of which are just you got to give it time, some of which are we made some bad policy choices, tariffs on lumber some of, or anti gouging laws you know and so so there's a mix of things going on and and again, I just think we're we're in a world, you know, recovering from a global pandemic that we've never been in before in a modern technological, you know, globalized economy. So we've talked about we've talked about the the, the energy side, but if we talk about houses and lumber, because uh, that's where so many of us are are seeing headlines. You know, if if you want to build a deck, all of a sudden it's a it's a it's not a two thousand dollar project; it's a seventy five hundred dollar yeah, project, yeah. or a you know you're building a building a fence, a privacy fence, whatever. All of a sudden, maybe now you're going to go with a you're going to go with a vinyl fence yeah. instead of a in, yep. instead of a traditional lumber one. Or like me, uh, you're just not going to build a fence right or, now, or you won't build the wall. Uh, but there's there's also folks that are saying, okay, hey, I want to build a new house. Okay, I I, yeah. I could sell, I can make good money off my house. There's a, if you look at the show notes, uh, CNBC is reporting that the average house has absorbed a $36,000 lumber increase in the bill to actually frame out a house. If you say, okay, I'm going to look at buying a house. All of a sudden now the price of a house has, has skyrocketed and you've got 10 to 12 offers on, even in our community here, yeah. 10 to 12 offers on a house and they're just not available. Right. It's crazy. in Fishers, uh, uh, my, my wife's ex-husband has been looking to, uh, to buy a house and, and he gave up. Because first, he you know he couldn't compete with the kinds of offers people were making. That are a lot of cash offers, and, and that's a, and a lot of cash offers. And so he did the right thing, which was to sort of which was to step out of the market. Lower, well, before he did that, he lowered his range. He said, "All right, let's look for some cheaper houses. That way, I can afford to to bid higher, right? And and take on, but you're getting less house for that. And as it turned out, that didn't work either for all the reasons we're talking about. He said, "You know what? Enough. I'm gonna you know going to use the money to make some improvements where I am and and 
and then come back in six months and see where we are. I think this is a lot. I mean, some of it is the lumber stuff and all that. And when the prices of new houses go up, there's a ripple effect to the existing stock. But some of it's also pent up demand. I mean, who, you know, I know people who moved during the pandemic. I can't imagine doing that, right? That's a, that's a nightmare. So there's a lot of people, I think, who held off and decided, all right, now's the time to do this. And it's crazy. We just house across the street and one over from us. Uh, so I, I'm thrilled. I, they got, I think, the 629 they were asking for, for it. And I'm like, and just my wife and I are like, wow, okay, <laughs> then that's, thank you for the positive externalities there. Cause now I, you know, I have a better sense of what our house might be worth if the market stays. I couldn't believe they got that for that house. Uh, <clears throat> but it's crazy. And, and it's, you know, uh, you also have some folks that have, have received more disposable cash in the yeah. last year so that they can make a down payment on a house and get in that's probably opened the market up for something. That and, and people didn't spend, right? Yeah. right? I mean, I think that's the other thing. Even if you put aside the, 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 you know, the, the stimulus checks and the unemployment and all that, uh, even if you were working the whole time, you weren't, I mean, you weren't going out, people weren't going out to dinner, getting their haircut, where they weren't spending on movies and things like that. So I think, uh, there's a lot of people with, uh, with cash to spend uh, and and have been waiting for this and and here's their opportunity. So uh, and banks are lending at insane interest rates. Well, there is that part too, which yeah, is please. increasing the demand. Yeah, and because you can get, you don't have to put near as much down, yeah. and you're saving a, a lot on the back end. You know, yeah. So. And we we just refinanced a few months ago. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, it's always this game, right? If you, if you wait, ah, if we just waited another month, we would have done a little bit better. It's like your the TV you bought, right? right. And, oh, in two months, you're going to go, damn, why didn't I wait two months? Cause right. it's down a hundred bucks. Yeah. But yeah. And that's certainly part of it too, right? Yeah. That's what I'm saying in our chat. I was talking about how there are car companies giving away yeah. 0% APR interest rates on for the entire term of the loan. Yeah. And that supposedly they've got some fees or something when you go to the dealership, but it, I'm still like, that is amazing. At least the fees are up front. Like, yeah. Like you know what you're paying. Have you tried um, to rent a car recently? Uh, I haven't, but I've had friends who've tried yeah. and it's not it's, easy. Yeah. We rented when we were in Arizona and I can't believe what I paid for. I can't believe what I paid for a bunch of things. It's not $49 a day to rent. A no, it's not $49 a day in Phoenix. It was a little more than that, but I've heard in, now I have heard Hawaii is like six, $700 a day to rent a car. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's very difficult to find yeah. one. Yeah. And so that once again, prices have, right. have accommodated. Right. And that's right. And so, so now do you really need it? And now people, the, the interesting thing is that people who can't afford those car prices are actually renting U-Hauls just to drive around town because yeah. they're so, because they're cheaper. And again, this was also the, the rental car stuff was a function of some, some supply problems and other issues. And apparently, uh, I haven't looked at this for a while, but last that I read, the rental car company sold off a bunch of stock. During the pandemic, assuming because they don't need to carry these assets right, and aren't going anywhere. Exactly, and now they're having challenges. Well, I was going to say that's the used back. car market, right? Is the used right. car market is now appreciating, which I yeah. haven't never been a part of. Yeah, and I literally bought a car new and not brand new, but two hundred eighteen, a newer car with like yeah. less than thirty thousand miles on it uh, in February. And I was like, I could probably flip my car and make a profit <laughs> yeah. and just like just find you, some crappy yeah. car for a couple of months yeah. until like everything blows over. Yeah. Because I mean that I think that bubble is going to pop. Yeah, that will. as soon as the chip stuff gets fixed, that's the other shortage. Yes. that's not on our paperwork. Yeah, it is. Is the it is. Uh, oh, it is. Sorry, yeah, it's okay. Yes, I don't expect you to read the show notes. We'll handle it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I just don't know how to read, Jer. <laughs> Top to bottom, so, right? <laughs> but uh, like the chip shortage, right? Um, which is that is from you know multiple angles too. Is COVID 
uh, cryptocurrency mining, and now car production. Um, all of that is suffering. Yep. And so it's just, it's insane to watch the economy try to, uh, you know, it's kind of like starting a mower that don't want to start. You're like, well, you just keep pulling on it. And it's like, you hear it turning over yeah. and you're like, come on. <laughs> right. And, and as you know, sort of back out to the big picture here, right. All of these things we're talking about are so complex and are yeah. so, there's so many nodes and so many interactions that there's just no way and that we can sort of, understand it synoptically and imagine that we can fix it. Right. I mean, this is the, right. the sort of standard kind of particularly Austrian school argument about economic planning. Right. Uh, uh, and, and I think that, that so, so what, so it calls for that humility, right? We can't, we can't imagine trying to fix all these little things. So, so let entrepreneurs, let people sort out their local situations that's what's going to time. Fix. I've got the a, answer is so, time. So this T- is time and leaving people free, yeah. right, to use their judgment. Yeah, I'm I, such a libertarian. I never it never comes to mind of hey Zach, let's get your people, the Democrats involved, and and we'll we'll let them fix it. Well, I we mean, just, like I, a lot of people are trying to find somebody to blame. Like I, I think I'll, I think on the gas price thing, even it was the thing where they laid off a lot of their tanker drivers due to the pandemic because yeah. gas prices were so low, people weren't using it, and now they're. Yeah. It was taking time to hire new drivers. Yep. Yep. And so even and like on the house thing, people were stuck at home last year. So I think a lot of people fixed up their houses because they were there to, to like, also true. It was, yeah, they were staring at that crack in the drywall and like, we got to get this fixed. Mm. Yeah. And so, you know, there's, there's so much going on. Yeah. Well, that's why I said, I think like, and people are borrowing against their mortgages and they, they don't care how much the lumber costs because they're saving so much on interest. I think a little bit like, especially in new homes. Um, but I was going to say this, there's actually something I want to bring up because I've went back and listened to all the podcasts on boss hog of Liberty with you, Steve, and it's never been discussed as uh you, and I'm glad you brought it up. It's like, what if, if you could have like a quick elevator pitch of like Austrian economics versus Keynesian, um, like, what is that elevator pitch? Cause like, I don't know. Maybe Zach doesn't know. I don't know. Like Zach, do you know what Austrian economics even means? Like no. what it is? No. So I don't want to like I'm just I don't want to yeah. like continue go down that path because I know it can get complex. Yeah, yeah, you you try to limit limit me with the elevator pitch. Yeah, which is tough. <laughs> it's a tough. It is. It's, it's a tough, tough in general now. with me. Yeah, tough on I've seen some infographics and yeah. I'm like, so, okay, this this is yeah. okay, it makes a little. So here's bit of sense, the thing. But. Okay, here's the first thing I'm going to say, which 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 is to go after sort of the premise of this. I think one of the problems that often libertarians and others uh, or people who know libertarian stuff fall into is thinking that the world of economics divides into Austrians and Keynesians, right? And, and sort of that's the division. And I think the reason for that, I think, are the amazing uh, Hayek Keynes videos, right? Which I love and adore and, and John and Russ are friends of mine. I was, was almost in the second one. I should have been. It's a long story, but I should have been in the second one. By the way, I would I would have played Mises, you know, in the fight scenes where he's the, like the corner man, <laughs> right? Yeah. I would so so you know. But anyway, and so that has made it seem like that's the debate, and it's much. There's many more schools. I, was, I know there's like Chicago school, yeah, and all, all that, that right. yeah. yeah. So 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 I I want to. That wasn't so much for you, but for our wonderful listening audience. Perfect. Right? Yeah, I mean, that, I'm glad you did bring yeah. that up because I don't I don't like. F- Fallacy, like you know, yeah. like the 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 fallacy there. So yeah, so I think the elevator pitch version is something like this, at least relevant to what we're talking about. For Austrians, we start by understanding that the economy is a kind of ecosystem of knowledge 
and that uh, the uh, what how to understand the economy is to understand how people and and why people make exchanges and the rules and institutions, the rules of the game that frame those exchanges, and then what the consequences of those are, both intended and unintended. And when you start to look at economics that way, a couple of things happen. One, you realize that it's individual perceptions that drive economic decision-making, uh, and that there's no way for an outside observer to know what those are. And then secondly, well, okay, if we're all in these sort of almost seems solipsistic world of our own subjective evaluations. How does anything ever get done? Well, that's when we look at the institutions and rules. In particular, we look at prices and we understand the way, given our previous conversation, that prices enable us to coordinate our activity with each other, to form expectations, to figure out what, what other people are, are trying to do and to guide our behavior to know that at $6 a gallon, you know, don't, don't buy as much gas at, 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 50 bucks for 24 bottles of water, don't use it on your dog. That's how we know those things. And without markets and prices and so on, we wouldn't know them. And so, and of course, if one station says, you know what, I'm going $6 and somebody else says, well, I'm going $5.50, yeah. that, that mar- the market's talking to itself as well. Yes, right. 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 And, and so for, for Austrians, one of the key concepts is this idea of spontaneous or emergent order that, that what ha- the outcomes in the market are the are the uh, while the product of human action they're not products of human design no one designs no one can design those outcomes rather they are the un- sort of systematic unintended consequences and, of choice under uncertainty given the rules of the game yep yeah. so and i i think it's that, a long elevator no no but okay. no but i think it's it's important to me because i've tried to explain it to people i'm like look i don't like i, I i've listened to uh there's another friedman that that's not um, you know, uh, Milton Friedman, but it's uh, his like brother or something. Is his son David or his grandson Patrick? Uh, I think it might be David. Yeah. But yeah, he's like a Chicago school yeah, kind of yeah, guy. That's, yep. that's David. Yeah. So, and I've listened to podcasts with him and like him talk about like why he's not one or the other, you know, more popular ones, at least in our circles. Um, so it's just been, I, I was like, to me, I was like, to me, like, I was like, the Austrian way of thinking is, you want un- uninterrupted market signals so that you know what is going on. Yep. And from there you can make a decision and you, and, and there's not a lot of like, we're going to try to tweak it or it's just like, these are the way things are. Right. And, and, the, and the one thing we can tweak is we can watch those rules of the game and those institutions to make sure that they are doing the best they can to provide those signals. And I would be remiss at this point. Uh, and I, cause I can hear my friends at the Cato Institute screaming in my ear. Uh, <laughs> if I didn't pitch my own book from Cato, <laughs> which is Austrian Economics and Introduction, which you can find at, uh, online in a free PDF or you can buy at Amazon online. You can find it at libertarianism.org, uh, in their, in their sort of publication section. And I should also tell your audience that if they're not familiar with Cato's libertarianism.org site, they should be. There's tremendous resources there from video to written stuff to, to all over the place. Uh, and, and it's one place these days that I write a bit, uh, a fair amount for. Uh, and in particular, I recommend the inner, the sort of broad overview essay there, which is I think called, uh, what is a libertarian or what is libertarianism by Grant Babcock. It's the single best introduction to libertarianism that I've ever read. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, uh, certainly to the, what I would call the good libertarianism. Sure. So 
Steve has touched on something that uh, that that I think is that that's a perfect dovetail into, into where we're going next, and that's outside pressures on markets. And I think one that we've seen in Indiana uh, and that was just relieved was unemployment, extra surplus unemployment. The governor of Indiana, Eric Holcomb, a couple of weeks ago said we're no longer going to accept the federal money that's been supplementing unemployment, giving folks extra money. He also said we're now going to require folks to actually go and apply for jobs and work because I think the governor's office was starting to hear from business owners that, Hey, we've got demand, but we can't get labor. I know the company I work for has been trying to restaff five, six, seven months. And it's been the same story across the board. Uh, every, not every industry, many industries have, and many businesses have been saying that this is our problem. Yep. We just heard from our landscapers today who were supposed to come out and do a bunch of work for us on June 9th or something, June 6th. And uh, they, they contacted us today and said, we got to push it till later in the month because we're short staff. We don't, we don't have the people. And uh, my wife and I went out to lunch at a sort of fast foodie, uh, you know, um, make your own Mediterranean kind of place. And the sign said, now closed on Mondays due to staffing problems. So this is real. Okay. There's a really interesting debate going on, particularly within Indiana, about how much of this is due to sort of people uh, find, you know, finding those benefits to be close enough to what they can earn in the marketplace that why work 40 hours if I can get it right. not working? I will say anecdotally that my place of employment, all of a sudden, as soon as that happened, you started seeing folks walk back in the door saying, hey, I want to fill out an application. That's interesting. Yeah, you, so, you definitely yeah. saw as soon as that public policy changed. Yep. That stream of folks, whether you were trying to hire somebody or not, they started coming. Well, the we're you know we're going to have a great test of this, right? And we're going to see what happens to the numbers over the next couple of months. The other factor that is part part of this too, and again, I think there's been some back and forth on this one also is, and and now as we go into summer, perhaps less, but a lot of what we call secondary earners, which are the the met the sort of party to the part to the marriage or partnership whose labor uh, supplies more flexible stayed home to take care of kids when the schools were closed. Now that's mostly, but not exclusively women. Uh, and, and so for at least for a while anyway, even offering good wages, they weren't likely to come out of the house uh, and work because someone had to be watching. Because it. the cost of childcare outweighed the, right, well, the, right, the, the, right, that side and, of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can, right. And, and, and you couldn't find, I mean, you were going to find childcare. And I think a lot of parents sort of rightly said, uh, if my kid's going to be doing school from home, I don't want someone else in the house with them. Right. I want to be there to, to be, make sure that that stuff's getting done. I, you know, certainly for us, that was a, a concern as well. So now that that is, Less of an issue in the summertime as we get into fall. Looks like certainly in Hamilton or at least HSE is going to be five days a week back to normal. Um, whether that changes too, uh, so we'll see. Zach, you're our expert with children. Um, <laughs> we, Newcastle was back full time the entire time. Yeah, yeah. I think they had a virtual school option. Yeah. Um, I know another factor. They've been like my next door neighbor. Um, all of a sudden, the value of remote work became readily apparent yeah. to a lot of employers and to employees. And so I think some people like, and she obviously entered the workforce, but she found a job working from home. Yeah. And so I think that that's easier for, so that's a job that that wasn't an option for a lot of people before, but she still has her kid in childcare. Somebody's watching her, her child, but during the, you know, she 
drops them off and then goes back home and works yeah. and doesn't have to go to a place to work. There's also a contingent of folks that said, I'm going to remove myself from the labor pool for their own safety as well. Yes. There are people that Absolutely. said, I'm not, I'm not coming yes. back and they may Absolutely. not have yet made the decision that that's they are okay to come back in a I position think, to come back. I think that's, that's very much the case as well. And I do think the, re- the work from home is really interesting too, because, uh, those of us who are lucky enough to have jobs where we could do that or had employers who allowed it in a way, my wife's, uh, organization would never have allowed that uh, prior to the pandemic, but allowed her to work from home significantly during it. And is now as of June 1st has sort of said, Nope, everybody back in the office now, uh, which is a good sign in the sense that, that, okay, things are getting back to normal, but it's like, no, actually there was, you know, being able to work from home one a day or two days a week had some real advantages. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's, I think that's definitely part of it too. Uh, and you know, uh, some jobs, right? You can't you can't really staff the McDonald's working from home, but other things you can. And uh, you know, I, I those of us who were able to work from home and not lose pay, a paycheck or anything while all this was going on have to be grateful. I th- I mean, they, I th- there's two couple things going on. I feel like right first off, this was like a dry run of UBI. Yeah, I, I to a, yeah, so just a little bit, right? Like it's just, yeah. and it's like you see kind of what's happening. Um, and the second thing is there, are, there bet, are still some households. I, I know that stimulus feels like it's over for some folks, but there are folks that are getting ready to start receiving more checks again next month. Right. Right. You, for, for child I, yeah, I guess I, I saw some ad or something on Facebook. I don't, I've never seen them, so but the, the UBI, uh, that was Russian disinformation. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The, the UBI for some households will continue. Jesse. So, so, but I'm saying is that I would not be surprised once people do get back to the office. Um, uh, especially companies like McDonald's and stuff where they don't go into the research of how do we, how do we prepare for this again? And how can we limit our dependencies on these people um, and automate more of their work? Like I, I, that is my thing. And that's what I've always said. UBI was going to do. I said, you give people UBI, that's not going to solve any problems. It's just going to create more problems because you're going to have unskilled people now that didn't go through any reskilling process and they're not going to be available. And I was like, and me, people like me are going to take your jobs away completely. I was like, because they could have still stayed running if they only needed. So if you think like uh, there's, you know, there's been like prototypes of um, restaurants and then there's stuff in Japan where there's like an entire cafe. That's one robot, right? It's very much like you see in car factories where it's like grabbing the cup and like filling everything and they hand it to you. Um, that stuff is in development. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if people don't double down companies to um, make themselves more resilient to these types of things in the future. Um, I think that, I think that's right. And we already know that the fast food places are, sort of retooling their buildings to make them more drive through and mobile pickup yep. and less dine in. I was going to say that was exactly where I was going to go, Steve, is that there are, there are some fast food establishments that I'm not convinced are ever going to open their dining room up again, or if they see the value of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I think there, there are, there are some, and I think they're looking very carefully at what exactly uh, they want to do. And, and, you know, and there will be things from the pandemic that live on. I think the most important of those is, uh, is, is curbside pickup. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if I was a parent of two kids, you know, imagine this scenario where I go, I'm coming home after a long day. I pick up my two kids at daycare. I want to grab something for dinner right on the way home. 
I do not want to take my screaming children out of the car and go in and pick up my dominoes. I want to park and have dominoes, bring it and put it in my trunk, just like in the commercial. Yeah. That's, you know, that's exactly what I want to have happen. And I Groceries think that's delivered a, to your door, grocery click list. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, that's stuff. the other stuff that's helped. The yep. pandemic has kind of accelerated is yep. it's gotten people to digitize faster. Yep. Um, which is for the good in my book, because yeah, like otherwise, like it's just so much easier to do. Like I, I mean, I was a Starbucks, not like a huge Starbucks fan, but if I wanted Starbucks, I could always just place my order. Like I could get pretty much everything in my car. And then like when I'm on the interstate, I'll just hit buy real quick. When I know like roughly yep. about seven minutes out, pull in, bypass everyone in line, walk, grab my cup, get back. It's in just my sitting car, on the and, counter. And, yeah. And no, I just go. It, uh, it, it is no, all that it's stuff. Amazing. All that stuff is great. Uh, all of the food delivery Grubhub and all that, I think that's going to sort out a bit more. Yeah. Um, the interesting model, do you know this place called cluster truck? Yeah. Uh, Chris Baggett. Yeah. yeah. Oh, do, you, do you know, Chris? I have, I know Chris loosely. Okay. That's real. It's well, so I'll, t- I'll come back to that, but for the, those who don't know cluster truck, what's interesting about cluster truck is uh, they, set up kitchens, you can't dine in, and you really can't carry out, although technically you can't. But what they're designed to do is is deliver and solve, for me anyway, the problems with Uber Eats and all that, which is they won't start cooking, Cluster Truck won't start cooking your meal until they have a committed driver to take it. Yep. And so uh, they're using some pretty sophisticated, as I understand it, AI-type stuff to, yep. to sort this all out. But I'm going to tell you something. The food's good, which is the most important thing. But their orders come when they say they are going to come, and they are hot and fresh every time. You, it's not – I mean, it's a crapshoot with those other places. It's the weather. Jesse, help me with the context here. Chris Baggett is the, the yeah. folk, the guy from he's, Exact Target. So he's the guy that created the Exact Target and sold it off to Salesforce. Yeah. Tyner yeah. Pond and Tyner the, Green so, yep. the mug and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Right. So, so my Chris Hancock Baggett Hancock County businessman. Yes. yes. My, my, my Chris story is that uh, – so when cluster, when they first opened in Fishers, it's it's five minutes from the house. So is it we, in a Kroger? Yeah, it's in a Kroger. Yeah, yes. he which is a really Kroger. cool model. Yeah, it makes total sense. He just started doing that like last year. Yeah, I think, right. Or two yeah, years so ago. the one in Fishers is right in a Kroger, and so I wrote him a fan letter, right? And I I said this is an amazingly cool model that you've developed here, um, and I said to him. Uh, I'd love to get together some time and talk. I'd be really interested in having you up to Ball State to talk to uh, our econ students, our entrepreneurship students. There's tons of interesting things you could do. And he was excited about this. And we made these plans to get together to have lunch. And he had he canceled on me for, you know, presumably good reasons. And we've never sort of caught up with each other since. And you have reminded me that I need to have lunch with him. I will write him back. I still have the email. I feel the, like uh, right. you should drive out to Greenfield and just go to Grigsby's. One of his, he might meet you there. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, again, he seems like a great guy, really. And, and just because I pitch these things all the time, liberal arts college graduate too, who's been a very successful business person. I feel like Steve moves to Fishers could be like a, a fan mail letter once a month. I'm just it, it's <laughs> well, going from St. Lawrence County to Hamilton. Well, right. County. There's <laughs> like, it, it's the, the, uh, yeah, the bountiful the, the, choices that yes. you now have in your life. Yes, indeed. But this, but this model it's is good. It's, it's a it's, good model. I love a, it. Yeah. Is really and he's doing everything right. I don't and they're extremely uh uh responsive. If so they they messed up one order one time, right? And I immediately te- they have a text number and they promise to get back to you by text within five minutes. It's never failed. 
and you know immediately said we can bring you an, uh, a new one or we'll give you you know we'll credit your account or whatever and the credit to the account and boom no questions asked uh done and uh i went into that kroger one time that's not that's that's i call that my reggie's Kroger, if you know the Seinfeld reference, right? I usually shop at the other one, but sometimes you got to go to the <laughs> other. Sometimes you go to Reggie's. Diner, yeah, sometimes yeah. you go to Reggie's. So that's the Reggie's Kroger, and I went in there one time to uh, to get something because I was in that neighborhood, and I started chatting with the staff at the cluster truck in there, and and uh, I was, I think, fanboying all over them too. So, <laughs> like I said, I've uh, yeah, I've I've given some grace to that idea with Chris, and I I've I said it would be really. I haven't told him this, but. I was like with some friends who one of them just got out of culinary art school. Yeah. And I said, it would be really cool if cluster truck had like a labs type of thing. Oh, yeah. So where culinary art students could like, like or not even just culinary art students, but like up and coming restaurant tiers, yeah. like entrepreneurs could like partner with them, help with the recipes, help cook in the kitchens yeah. to build a brand. Yeah. And like he could work with a way to essentially it's a, uh, an incubator for restaurants. Right. And so, so one way to do that would be, to have a rotating menu feature. Exactly. That's exactly, exactly. That, that were from those. Yeah. Folks. And, and he does like, I mean, obviously there's like paperwork and crap yeah. like that, but I think it would be a cool model to get. Well, uh, and, and companies for, right. For, and there's also now in Fishers in the yard district, whatever the name of that new development is on one sixteenth. Uh inside the Sun King brewery is a little test kitchen. Yep. that has got three different places. I had a friend that worked in there. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the former, the so for, folks who used to be associated with Rook, may it rest in peace, my favorite indie restaurant. That was really good. Uh, are been cooking in there too, and they were doing ramen for a while, which was outstanding. <laughs> now they're doing sandwiches. I'm not that inter- as interested in that, but but right, there's another. I mean, there's some way to bring those models together, yeah. and, and it would be great. Yeah. So the the last uh, this wasn't on this like, wasn't on our notes. No, right? no, it's, it's perfect. But, you know that's, that's great. the whole point of the show. Well, is yeah, I know. No, no form conversations. Yeah. We can go. We can go down any road. <laughs> Again, if I went to college, I'd be like, I would probably go into some economics sort of form that are <laughs> yeah. psychology or both. The uh, the last item that we did have program that I want to talk about was vehicles because that, once again, yeah. well, obviously John John uh, John Phillips is a, a major uh, major part of this show. He's the uh, Andy Moore Buick GMC in, in Fishers, uh, and I've constantly right had these right down the block for me, right there. That's where <laughs> I bought my terrain. That's yeah. uh, that's out there. And Dakota's got uh, his last two Buicks there. A little uh, hard to find now with the construction, but it's still there. <laughs> it's still well. That's a. Uh, it's a, it's a big part of my business yeah. that road construction. We never complain about orange barrels. Yeah, no, household. no, that's right. Um, but yeah, we've seen all of these constant supply issues with vehicles as well. Yeah. So all of a sudden, a pickup truck. Jesse's talking about it. Cars are appreciating a car, a vehicle you used bought, cars. Yeah, used yeah. cars are actually you can yeah. buy it and and flip in a car. Who would have thought? Zach, you've been talking yeah. about ordering folks ordering a Corvette and they make twenty grand before they go pick it up. Yeah, especially diesel trucks. People are getting offered ten and twenty thousand dollars more than they paid for the truck to trade the truck in now and then they'll get their new truck like maybe 2022 early mm. or, yeah. or th- at least deep third quarter or fourth quarter. It makes me wish I had a secondary car. <laughs> <laughs> so we have, we have seen that some of the, uh, the auto manufacturers saying that help is on the way reliefs coming. They're increasing production. I think that GM was going to start building a thousand trucks more a month, trying to get some inventory back. Uh, and then this, the, I, I understand that there are some, some specific microchips. I think Zach, you're the the vehicle expert in the group, but I think it was dealing with fuel act deactivation in their trucks, where they were basically building trucks, but they couldn't actually send them out. 
that's a shame that they could they should have shut that feature off and so on without it because it's awful. But yeah, I, cafe standards require it. Yeah, but yeah. I think it's just chips in general. Like the the main like there's only so many chip manufacturers. Yeah. And when their work orders come in, right? Like some of it's going to be for AMD. Some's going to be for like that's kind of what I think. What why Ford has an entire lot full of white trucks is because they did not. Uh, they were like, yeah, we don't need them or something. And the chip manufacturer's like, all right, whatever. And so now they don't, now they need them. And like Elon Musk has even said that he is paid ahead of time to get chips, to get to the front of the line. Well, I think it's my guess. It's probably to help them scale out something to make, so they can make more. Like, he's like, look, I'm going to like help you out. Here's all my money up front. Give me my chips when you can get them, but use this money to get them made faster. You know, like, and, I think that was like his idea. Like kind of fronting capital by buying ahead of time. Yeah, buying ahead of time. Yeah, exactly. And then allowing them to scale out so they can, so like, you know, kind of loosen that bottleneck because he's uh, arguably, he's pretty good at economics himself and more than I think people give him credit for. (laughs) And I think he understands like, okay, if I give these people money, like it's going to help. It's going to benefit him as well. It's going to benefit everyone plus him. So, so, Wrapping a bow tie around the whole conversation, Steve, are we just seeing a bunch of clunkiness in the economy as we're trying to restart, or are there other issues here that aren't COVID-related that we're, we're coming anyway and we're just... Well, I think, you know, I think most of what we're, we've talked about are things that are... Clunky is a great word. That, that sort of just getting the engine restarted, that's not my favorite analogy. But, but sort of as, as demand picks up, as people get out and are doing more... Um, the the supply side is just not as responsive as we'd like it to be uh, and as flexible because of COVID, mostly COVID-related stuff. I, you know, I think the one, the other thing that's been talked about quite a bit recently has been whether inflation is on the rise, right? And and so I'll just, I mean, a couple... It, the, the, when I went to business school and it was intro, you know, intro to business 101, we talk about a, the consumer basket of goods. Yeah. The um, items that fit into that basket for $100 or the price of that basket now has increased greatly in the last six months. Yep. The, but is it real if right. it's only for six months or is it permanently right. inflated? This is, this is what we need to know, right? And so part of it is there's a couple things to keep in mind. Remember, things really slowed down. So if you're looking at year-over-year change, right, we were down in a trough and now we're, we're coming up again. And so so that, you know, whether it's just recovery or whether it's – going to be sustained inflation i think we got to wait a little bit and see what happens over the over the next few months um it's certainly the case that that the you know uh the the printer goes burr right that that the <laughs> federal i know my means i love it yeah. <laughs> that that the, the the fed has been creating money at a at a you know ridiculous pace uh whether that's all entering into the spending stream and driving this process. Much of that happened in the Obama administration as well, and yeah. we didn't see that inflation. Right, and we did. And we, so two things. We didn't see it in consumer prices. We saw some of it in asset inflation, right? And the housing, the housing is, market's been housing a, market is, a bubble is, the whole time. Since right, then. the housing market is, is – we didn't learn our lessons from, from <laughs> the 15 Bush years ago. Right, yeah. right. 2008. So, okay, right. So, so there's that. But on the consumer side, a lot of those funds that were created have sat in bank reserves, to some degree have sat in the cash hoards. I want to make sure we see the air quotes there. <laughs> and it's gone into Dogecoin. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a whole other topic. Uh, but, but, it, 
but it's gone into, you know, people are sitting on it, right? And if they sit on it and it doesn't enter the spending stream, we don't see it as increases in the CPI. I have a question for you about that. So if people continue to sit on their money, well, well, I guess that's not, I was going to say, I have already answered my own question. I was going to say, would you see, <laughs> I was I would, watching the little hamster in there. Yeah. I was like, was the, like, would you see, uh, so I'm thinking to bring up crypto for, to some, for, for a reason, but what would be stuff that banks would try to do? Uh, obviously interest rates, they lower them, right. To try to lend, get like, Hey, go buy stuff. But would they like, when you say sit on a lot, a lot of people I literally, literally sit on it. I was going to say a lot of people are sitting on it, not even in the bank. Right. Like so a lot of people are like not even putting their money in the bank. Yeah. So like that, I know that's a separate thing, but yeah. I'm saying like, I, I, my question was going to be, would they offer more interest rate, like higher interest rates for people to put their money in savings or so in, to actually you know, get or the deposited? Is what yeah. They, but they don't want it. I mean, the banks want don't want it. Right. The, the banks, <laughs> they want it to the, be turning. So, so right. And plus the banks remember since 2008, are earning a quarter point or a half point or whatever on those reserves that the Fed's creating. So you're a bank, right? And you can get a guaranteed quarter point or a half point without having to spend the cost of figuring out who to lend it to, without taking on the risks of a bad of a bad loan. That you know, why not just sit on it? There's no you know, there's no reason not to. I mean, the irony is we're we're in an economy right now. You know, all the libertarians who love sort of Rothbardian 100% reserve banking, which by the way is all wrong, but, um, <laughs> but we're in it. We have it, right? I mean, if you look at the ratio between the reserves that banks have and the amount of money in circulation is that as last I saw it's actually over a hundred percent, right? So, so they're sitting on all these reserves and, and the challenge has always been, what do you, what happens, right? Do they just pile up forever and we just keep paying out the, the you know, the, Fed or the gov, you know, Fed keeps paying out interest on on that little quarter point or half point on those on those reserves. Eventually, that adds up to something. Uh, but or what happens if it gets unleashed? What happens if the banks decide that we want to lend? The fact that they can't really bring interest rates down much lower, right? Right, means that they how do you how do you create a buyers. demand? Yeah, as yeah, we say. Not, yeah, you're not going to induce induce lenders. So it's a very weird world we're in with with all that, and and they, and it's. It's not wrong to be concerned about, okay, what would happen if this stuff really did get out and start, people started spending? We would see significant consumer price inflation. But, but if you look at the measures of, 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 you know, people who are in the markets for these things about what the expected inflation rate is, it's still very modest. Yeah. I was going to say, you, you see some signals, right? And, and I, I, again, some of this is just, I think Biden being there and whatnot, but, um, you know, silver has increased. Uh, well, obviously the coronavirus increased it a lot, but it hasn't gone back as the market is starting to open. Silver, at least, I haven't looked at gold lately. Um, is so, maintaining its value. Yeah, I, I, I guess you can always pick two data points, right? You, in a lot of times, my mind goes to politics, so you'll see the the meme of remember when you know. Trump was president and gas is dollar thirty two and Biden's president and it's three thirty two a gallon and you, you just randomly pick two data points and you don't have any concept. Well, of why well that's why we moved. said Trump memes when he right, said people right. are looking year over year. Right, like people are making you, crappy you're Trump memes. Yeah. Two, two data points, but I feel like a, a lot of this is just unanswered at this at this juncture, where we only have a maybe five months of, of recovery time at this point. Right, so we don't have enough data to know. And and you can say whatever you want about. Trump, but if you look, you know, uh, two things. 
if you go back during the pandemic, sure, gas prices were low because nobody was doing anything. Right. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah so that like doesn't last year to this year. Yeah. Now doesn't make sense. Yeah. There's a surplus of gas. No, you got to yeah. You got to try to hold everything as constant as possible. Right. Um, and the, you know, there were good things about the economy under, under Trump. Right. And, you know, even comparing unemployment rates, you got to talk about labor force participation and all these other kinds of things. Plus the, the bigger fallacy here is believing, and this is a good Austrian elevator pitch, right? Believing that the economy's health or sickness is the result of who's president. At least for a while, uh, it was true that the most, that the U.S. economy, the chair, the chairman, chairperson of the board of economic advisors to the president, who had the most successful four-year run. You know, you know who it was vacant. <laughs> I don't think that's true anymore. But for a while, that was true. I remember right? that being a, a so. Thing so you know, uh, it, we we give politicians too much, way too much credit, both going up and going down. Right. Right. And I think earlier we were talking about, you want someone to blame. Right. And, and that's, that's a human that's deep in our, in our psyche. Uh, and we want someone to blame, whether it's the president, the greedy oil companies, whatever the case may be. An right? entire nation that yeah. makes yeah. all of our goods that we consume. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. I, that was my, I guess I wasn't, my point with the silver was like, people are, is that do you see that as like a hedge, right? Like, if or, it seems like more people are hedging right yeah. now against the dollar. Well, That's I, my folks, point. Folks are hedging, but the, the amount of if I'm thinking about the average person that we're going to run into in in our community out here, there I don't think more than 22 people in this entire town are going. You know, I'm going to buy silver. Well, that's not the only asset to hedge in, though. Right. Like you yeah. can asset, you can hedge in assets. You can hedge in like like you like to me right now. I would be buying property. Uh, to some degree, right? Like I know we're in a bubble. Folks are going to say, yeah, it's a, it's yeah. a terrible yeah. time to buy property. Yeah. But I'm just saying like, I would, I'm saying like, if you were wanting to hedge your dollar, then you're, it's not necessarily a bad time to buy property. That was my point. Right. And I think people are concerned enough. Um, back up. I think reasonably sophisticated economic actors are concerned enough about inflation to want to have those hedges. But I think that's a fairly small percentage of the population. And I don't think, again, I don't follow this stuff super closely. I don't think we've had major institutional organizations, you know, in investors or whatever start to do this. It's, it's not just sort of gold bugs and, and, and whomever, but, but it's a fairly small set of people right now. If we get several more months of, of continued, you know, rising CPI or something, then we'll see what happens. But, but we're, we, we got to wait and see if, if that's the case. We well, just, yeah. You know, to back, to go back to a thing that's come up a few times, we've never really been in a context like this before. No. So, so <laughs> we just, we don't, we don't freaking know. Yeah. And, and that calls for humility and that calls for, for, for stand back and let things. It's, it's a time stuff. where so many, something Jesse and, and Steve were talking about at dinner tonight. So many of our internet forum theor theo lot not theological theoretical conversations mm -hmm. are living out before us. Yeah, and we're learning, right? Yeah. we're yeah. seeing how it goes. The uh, I was going to say there is like uh, I was going to say there's like a lot of institutional money moving into like Bitcoin, for example. Yeah. So uh, those are people hedging their money. Yep. And like that, that is like a market signal of well, people are. Uh, it's interesting to watch, and they're usually they're hedge funds too, right? But not all of them. Um to 
devalue the dollar in the idea that they're buying something else with it. Right. Um, like that's in, very interesting to me. Like it, you haven't seen that. I don't feel like a lot ever like on an alternative currency. No one's like, well, somebody went and bought 1.5 billion yen and maybe they are, but I just, you, it's yeah. not announced. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, not as visible. Yeah. So I, there, like there is like, I mean, again, and you, you are seeing publicly traded companies that are spending their assets, purchasing cryptocurrency, that, that, the point that. Where crypto folks are buying the, you know, and buying, if you, buying it, companies that are investing in crypto. So if you do that and you look at so you can get on Twitter and follow a thing called like whale watch and watch the large sums of cryptocurrencies moving around. And, and I'm not talking like millions. I'm talking millions, but I'm talking like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of crypto whales moving their funds to different coins and everything and or like going into market or going out of market it's just very insane to me and I, again we never lived in it i'm just like i'm kind of glad i'm here to be like well it's either all going to go up in flames or we're going to build like <laughs> a really you're awesome the, utopia you're the one person that's yeah. been like i'm glad i'm glad i'm alive for this I right? am. well he, he's bought he bought his marshmallows and his bamboo sticks he's just going to toast Listen, it over Jesse's the burning flames well. of the us he's, economy he's not afraid to street park his link yeah i was going to say i saw the car he was driving <laughs> he's don't give me this poor stuff <laughs> zachary we are getting to that point in the show where we need to start talking about final thoughts uh what what do you got to pitch over there man am i going to get you convinced to go to eldora later this month with me oh i don't know i'm still still, still working on the permission slip um broad street cruise this weekend fiddler's green will be set up there uh i think there's gonna be food truck friday tomorrow downtown um so this will be the first broad street cruise i've been able to make i've been out of town for all the other ones um, so hopefully the weather looks good. I think it's going to be warm. Um, but other than that, I think L and K is doing their, like their, their thing every Saturday where they have food trucks and vendors and stuff out. So, uh, go check out Cade and his group out there and all the stuff they're doing. So, and the farmer's market's going. So all the, all the fun local stuff going on. Steve, what have we forgotten that we need to, uh, we need to cover that we we've left undone. Uh, We've covered a lot of ground tonight. I was gonna, I was gonna make a totally unrelated pitch. All right. Um, if folks haven't seen the wonderful uh, Amazon's, no, maybe it's Netflix. Netflix series, The Kaminsky Method, uh, season three just dropped, and you need to watch this show. This is K uh, with a Kaminsky or K Kaminsky with a K. Is this yeah. about the White Sox? No, this is no. That's Kaminsky. <laughs> this is uh, Alan Alan Arkin and Michael Douglas as two old men trying to figure their way out through life. It, it, uh, you know, <laughs> any, any show with the lot, I can't remember the exact line. I think it was, was I'm so old. I, I pee in Morse code, um, <laughs> that, you know, that's a guy, that's a keeper. So I, so that's my weekend. And I, I'm going to sit down and binge watch season three of the Kaminsky method. Jesse, what do you say? Uh, I don't have many final thoughts today. I, I just was glad to like sit here and talk to you. So he invited me and he's like, so this guy, Steve Horowitz is coming on. I was like, I know who he is. <laughs> like, you don't need to tell me and sell it start, to me. I start I'm from here. zero. Don't, don't you know who I am? Yeah. <laughs> well, so. you don't understand that with Jesse, it's, Hey, I need you on the show. If I, if I don't ask him like 10 days in advance, yeah. he's like, oh, I'm already having beers with friends. Yeah. Like he's immediately with that. So it's, I think it's three weeks out because Steve, Steve and I negotiated yeah. the date. Yeah. 
Uh, he's been playing very hard to get with me for years, but we find, I'm so happy that you're back and that you're, oh, and, you're in a position to be back yeah, with if us. I'm, if you know, if I'm feeling okay enough, yep. anytime, this is one of my favorite things to do. We'd love to have you. But I, I, after my negotiation with Steve was complete, I had to start my negotiation with Jesse to get him in the building. So it worked out. Did and thankfully, to, because I was not, it turned out we weren't going to have Dakota tonight. Yeah, so. no. yeah, I miss Dakota tonight. I, he's doing yeah. the right thing. Yeah, he's, you know, yeah, he's doing the right thing, but, but that, we missed that dad life. Yeah. All right. Uh, final thoughts from me. I want to give a, a, a little recognition, a uh, shout out, as the kids would say, Kyle Robbins. Uh, I did get to go finally see him. He's the Newcastle, Indiana, USAC Silver Crown driver, been a guest on the show twice now. Uh, he invited me on, uh, on the show to go get a pit pass and, and check out his races. So I drove all the way out to the Terre Haute action track last Thursday night and uh, I got rained out, Zach. <laughs> Immediately upon arriving. I got there. I saw the, I left, you were, you were looking over my campsite with you and your lovely bride, April. And I said, Hey, here's the code to my camper in case, it, if, in case shit gets real. Uh, it's not supposed to, but there in case it does. Nasty looking and then, and then Kyle sends me a picture of the radar as I'm about 20 miles from the racetrack. And he's like, it might rain. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm coming. I'm there yeah. no matter what. And the radar looked horrific. I got to Terre Haute and I got to spend about an hour in the, uh, in the, and they call it the toad, which is the, the, uh, maybe it's not the toad, whatever, the puller, the, whatever, the, their rig, their, their camper, like a awesome freightliner, uh, rig that they carry the, uh, carry the race car in. I got to sh- uh, chat with him and the team for like an hour. And then I said, all right, I'll, I'm just going to catch you tomorrow. They're going to race at Indianapolis Raceway Park the next day. I got Zach to go. We had it, we turned out in force. It was awesome. Uh, we saw them run some hot, hot laps. Kyle came up from the uh, the pits and visited with us. It's the only the only driver to come out of the pits I've and never, into the grandstand to hang out with everybody. Never been to a race where the driver came out in his driving suit with a bag of chips and just sat down and chilled for fifteen minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know there was a tunnel for them to come out. I'm like, where did he come from? It was it was great. And then uh, as soon as the uh, the support race before his was supposed to start. The skies opened up and it rained on us a second time. So I finally went a third day in a row. I, I went and we sat in 40 degree temperatures and we watched them race. And Kyle finished, I believe, 11th. I'm Ron Burgundy. Uh, on And he had a, a tremendous race with Andy O'Gara. They fought back and forth. Uh, for many laps, Kyle spun twice. But on the very last lap, he got back by Andy and uh, got the position. So very fun. I'm looking forward to seeing him at Eldora, here, Eldora in the... Uh, Ohio, uh, June 26th. So they've got a couple of races coming up. I guess they're going to be in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, Williams Grove, June 18th, June 25th, out at uh, Madison Raceway in uh, in Wisconsin. And then uh, they've got Eldora and uh, Winchester coming up later this summer. So very fun. A lot of uh, loudest race cars I've ever heard in my life. I love races. IndyCar, big category, five super fan. Obviously, we know that. First time I've watched the Silver Crown cars, and I was blown away at how loud they were, Zach. Yeah, and I... I- Man, I can't recall. It's been a while since I've been up, up as close as you are at IRP. Like oh, that, their outside wall is a suggestion to stay in the track. <laughs> I've never seen an outside wall. It's not as tall as the rear tires on those cars. I would, I'm kind of curious as to what the Sprint cars would sound like out there too, because that's even a kind of a bigger, gnarlier engine. Um, but yeah, they were. That was cool. I've been out to IRP in years, so. So all right, get out there. With that, we will uh, we'll see you all again next week. I think it's going to be a host only episode Thursday of next week, assuming uh, assuming everything goes well. The audio and video <laughs> will fire up. We'll be here for that, and then I I think we have a terrible announcement to make that in two weeks we'll be joined by Mark Brim, but it may be the last scheduled Mark Brim episode in a while because he's getting his dream and he's moving to the ranch in South Dakota. Not kidding. Going so off the grid. We're going to have our boy Mark Brim at least one more time. We'll see you all next time.